I'm Danielle. And I'm Christy. And you are listening to Snacks with Stein. Let's do it. Snacks with Stein. This is episode 19. Danielle, how are you? How are you doing? How are things going with you? I am doing okay. Playoff hockey is back. I have a reason to keep going now through October until we get Halloween. Life is looking up a little bit. (laughs) How does that work? Are they, is it just not a full stadium or... Yes. So they are literally inside of a bubble. Like I'm calling it the Big Brother house. If anyone is familiar with Big Brother, the reality show, it's basically they're all inside this bubble. No one can leave the bubble until they are eliminated from the tournament or something they have to like family, you know, whatever. So they're quarantined. They are quarantined at a beautiful luxury hotel and they have lots of activities and food and all that stuff. So they're doing, they're living the high life, but it is still sad because they, they're not with their families and their families can't go to the games and stuff, which is an always a bummer. But on the whole, they're being treated really well. They get tested every day, which is crazy. Everyone gets a test every day, announcers, referees, rink people, everything that's how they're doing it. So far, so good. First week went down, no positive tests. So keep hope alive that we can have <laughs> two months of hockey. I bet they're just happy to be playing. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I think so. Well, I'm glad. I'm happy for you. I know that that's for people that is a big part of their life. Like that is a big part of their life. It makes them feel good. So I'm glad that we have that coming back. I had a birthday yesterday birthday i'm real fucking old i was i was thinking about how like if you're watching days of our lives do you remember marlena from days of our lives she stayed 30 for like 30 <laughs> years she's still 30 to this day so uh, yeah she is today she's still 30 so i feel like it just kind of maybe set an unrealistic expectation you know because now you walk by the mirror and you're like that can't be right <laughs> <laughs> But what is good, other than aging and dying a slow death, is we we have a a new patron, a new Patreon person. Uh, Jennifer Fields has joined Team Fear Street, which we're super excited about because I didn't have anybody on Team Fear Street except for my husband, and that doesn't count. (laughs) So, So good job, Jennifer. You chose the right team. We have a toast for you. So if everybody listening will kindly raise their glass as we toast our new patron, Jennifer Fields. May you always pursue shenanigans and dreams while enjoying delicious ice creams. May you pay off your debt and never have boob sweat and be spammed all day with funny memes. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you, Jennifer. I actually did cheers with my coffee. Nice. Yeah. It's 
going to be a fun <laughs> episode because I'm going to have a full cup of coffee just right now. <laughs> what are you having? I'm having leftover garlic bread. <laughs> it's delicious. It is delicious. Garlic bread is delicious when you first make it and it's delicious as leftovers. It really yes, is. <laughs> I even like it cold sometimes. Me too. I didn't warm mine up. I was just like, I'm going to eat it. Do it. Do it. So that's do what it. I'm having. Well, enjoy <laughs> it because I'm going to take you on a wild ride this week. Oh, it's one of those. It's one of those. Okay. I don't remember reading this one. But by the time I got to the end, I feel like I did, but I'd forgotten about it. At this point, there's so many books, like, it's all blurring together. We had some people in the Facebook group when we announced that we were going to do this book be like, you know what, guys? I'll catch you next time. Like, I can't do it. I'm claustrophobic. Can't do it. And I'm like, okay, you know, it can't be that bad. It kind of is that bad. So if you have problems with descriptions of dark, tight spaces... Maybe we'll see you next time. Okay, I'm going to leave. <laughs> You're not allowed to leave. You work here. So I have you to nothing. white knuckle it. I have to white knuckle my way through this one. Yeah, we pay you nothing, but you still work here. So you have to, you have to stay. So this week, we are doing Trapped. I chose this one because honestly, I, I was looking through the shelf and I wanted something different. We've been covering like lots of summery, beachy type stuff, but now, now I want to pivot to like a cooler, kind of follier feel. And the cover on this one looked really interesting. Do you remember the movie Frighteners with Michael J. Yes, Fox? Yes, I love that movie. So underrated. I saw that one in the theater. That's a great movie. It's a great remember- movie. And it's- hard to find like you can't like we were trying to find a blu-ray or something like i don't know when and we couldn't find it it's like one of those lost really mm-hmm. huh i wonder if we can stream it certainly we can download it somewhere yeah so that was the first time that we saw that effect where it's like somebody behind a screen like kind of pushing through yeah like through the wall right they were coming right. through the wall mm-hmm. we've seen it a bunch since then but i don't remember seeing that before because it was like in the floor and on the walls and like it was a very distinct person pushing through. Um, I so want to say it was probably one of the earlier, like better ways of doing that. Yeah, maybe I'm just forgetting. I don't remember seeing it. Like I specifically associate that like effect with Frighteners because I don't know if it's because it was so heavy in that movie or mm-hmm. I don't know if they did it first maybe or not. Like poltergeist maybe a little bit. When? But, I'm trying to think. Not really, because they didn't really. Did they come through the TV? Not well. No, it was like an animated hand that came out of the TV. Right. Um, it wasn't done the same way. Yeah. No, even in the third one where they were um, in the mirror building, I didn't see anything like that. Yeah, you're probably right. But I'm gonna go with it. That's kind of what the like the cover of this book looks like. It looks like somebody like trying to push through a film. And then at the top of the book, there's like a graveyard and like an old house with like a full moon. So it's, it, it looks creepy. Like it looks a little scarier than what we've been doing. We've been doing kind of like lighthearted Scooby-Doo stuff. This looks a little more threatening. 1997 by Archway Paperback. Mine is a reprint though. So I think that's why it's in such good shape. 
Tagline is, you're invited to die. Which I'm going to use later on, like, social media (laughs) when people are being stupid. (laughs) You're invited to die. (laughs) It's my new comeback. That's going to be my next party invite. (laughs) Or maybe, like, Christmas cards. Something festive. Yes. Mm -hmm. You're invited to die. The story opens with Elaine Butler, okay, and she's driving her Honda Civic to Saturday detention at Shadyside High. Quick aside, do they still do Saturday detention? Well, I haven't been in school in a very, very long time, but I don't see why they wouldn't, but who knows? I don't... I never, I had detention like twice, okay? I was definitely never breaking any rules. My mom was a teacher. Um, nothing got past her. I, you know, I, and the two times that I had it, it was always during school. Like, I don't remember them ever having, like, you had to give up part of your lunch period or something like that. Yeah, I had a lunch detention once. My whole what did you do? Work. I forgot. I think it was one of those I was caught up in somebody, somebody else's craft. And it was one of those everyone gets detention type deals. Guilt by association. Yeah, like a, a, like a group project type thing. And everyone in the group had to get detention because one idiot, you know? Ugh. I really forgot. So I guess Saturday detention is kind of a new thing for Shadyside High as well. Apparently, there is a new principal whose name is Mr. Savage. And he has decided that two hours after school for detention is just not enough. And that students should now give their whole Saturday as punishment. Elaine hasn't really done anything. And she's in detention for forgetting three different trig assignments. So she's got this asshole teacher. It doesn't really matter what the circumstances are. If you fail to turn in three assignments for any reason, you will get automatic detention, which now is like a full Saturday in detention. And Elaine doesn't really break rules. Like she doesn't really get in trouble. So she's she's feeling pretty anxious about this whole thing. She's met at the door by Principal Savage, who acts like a weirdo and tells her that the <laughs> other kids are serving detention in room 111. So she heads off down there. Okay, so there are four other kids in detention when she gets there. There's three boys and one girl. She knows one of the boys by name. His name is Jerry. And she knows the other boy by reputation. His name is Bo. Jerry is pretty straight-laced. You know, he's only in detention because he refused to dissect a frog in biology. So he opted for detention. Did you dissect a frog or did you refuse? I refused. we We actually had to do a sheep's eye not a frog and oh. I said fuck that shit and I had to write an essay instead well that that was his option as well is that he had to if he was he didn't have to dissect the frog but then he would have to go to detention and write like a thousand word essay on the process so at least yeah. they knew that he understood what all the parts were and stuff like that mm-hmm. and Bo Bo has all the bad boy makings, okay? Spiked hair, ripped jeans, the army jacket, 
Stein doesn't say this, but you can bet your ass that Bo smokes closed cigarettes and he smells like Hugo Boss. And while we can all agree that that's pretty hot, Bo's tendency is just to light shit on fire. And that's not hot. Thanks, Bo, for ruining it for me. <laughs> Seriously, in like the first few minutes that Elaine is in there, he lights like two wads of paper on fire at hey. his desk. Well. So, yeah. <laughs> so clearly our relationship has problems from the get-go. Mm -hmm. Principal Savage comes in and he gives Bo detention the following Saturday. And we <laughs> learn that the girl's name is Darlene. Darlene is in detention for cutting class. She's, you know, your basic bad girl, you know, Barbie to his Ken. And then there's another kid in there who's kind of a big kid, like wearing a flannel shirt, kind of a sloppy kid. His name is Max. So we got Jerry, Max, Darlene, Bo, and now Elaine. Max is in detention for spray painting graffiti on one of Shadyside's school buses. So when you look at like the level of infractions here, you've got <laughs> two kids in there, one who forgot an assignment and one who didn't want to dissect a frog. And then you've got other kids in there who are actually committing like felonies. So there's that. Principal Savage lays down the ground rules of detention. There's no talking, you know, all that different stuff. And then in what I feel is a particularly bullshit move, he tells them that they are all to police each other. And if one of them gets in trouble, it's another Saturday's detention for all of them. And I hate that bullshit. Is this like a breakfast club scenario where like... It's very... To start, to start out, it's very breakfast clubby. Yeah. For sure. For sure. But I just don't understand why teachers think that this is effective. At my kid's school, they have, it's called Dojo, and it's an app. And the, the teachers have it in their class, and then you you have it in your phone. And, like, the kids will lose points, and it'll pop up in the app, like, what they're doing to, like, lose their points. Like, the teacher will put in, you know, talking in class, lost a point, whatever. Mm -hmm. So it comes straight to your phone. So there's no getting around, like, telling mom that you got in trouble. Oh. Which I enjoy that part of it. Uh, the part that I really hate, though, is that there is a dojo monitor in their class. So there's Ew. one kid every week who can take away and give out these points. When you've got a kid like mine who's really sensitive about his behavior and he's got a very strong sense of justice, like he's going to let you know if he feels like he's being fucked over. Like um, the Nazi youth where they're all like ratting each other out. Why? Yeah, I don't. Can someone explain to me why teachers think this is effective? That just seems like a bad plan on both parties, because unless that person is anonymous, like the monitor is anonymous, then no. everyone's going to pick on that kid because you're you're the one giving and taking away. So what it does is it actually has the effect of creating like a little mafia and yeah. like little little clicks. Because, like, whoever the monitor is, like, they're going to take points away from people they don't like, and they're going to give points right. to people that they do like. So then you right. get them, like, grouping up about, like, well, you know, we don't like you. But meanwhile, like, these kids are getting in trouble at home for getting in trouble at school. Right. And it's nothing to do with them. It's just this kid. 
particular no. kid. I hate it. I hate That's it. Awful. Yeah. So he lays down these bullshit rules and he's like, I'm leaving very much like Breakfast Club. <laughs> um, but, you know, he could be back at any moment. And as he's walking away, Bo pulls out a switchblade and throws it at his back. Oh and God. the knife lands in the door just as he closes it. <sighs> Bo. Bo. So is this like detention or prison? I just don't <laughs> I just don't remember detention being this hardcore. But then again, like I'm from the sticks. Like maybe, I don't know, maybe it's different. But they're in Indiana. I don't know. So Bo is this kind of like toxic, immature prick, but he's he is the kind of toxic, immature prick that you are really pissed off that you're attracted to. You should not be attracted to this person. There's no reason to be, but for no reason at all, you're just like, holy crap, like, where are my panties? Like, just gone. Like, <laughs> it's very annoying. No idea how that happened. So that, that's Bo's general MO. And after a few minutes, he decides that Darlene and Max and himself are leaving. They're going to the cafeteria. They're going to get some snacks. Darlene, of course, has a thing for Bo and is doing everything but pissing a circle around him to let Elena know <laughs> that, you know, he's her man. And Bo is suggesting that Elena come along. He said, because they're breaking the rules, she's going to get in trouble anyway, so she might as well go exploring with them. So Elaine is intrigued, but she's real pissed about it for reasons we've already discussed, and finally decides she's going to go along. Jerry's like, you guys are creeps. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving this room. So they tiptoe down the halls of the school. And guess who shows up? It's Jerry, because it's boring being alone by yourself. So now all of them are tiptoeing their way to the cafeteria. And Elaine finds this kind of exciting. Like, she's not a rule breaker. It's something different for her. They make it to the cafeteria. They find a bunch of snacks. They're looking for, like, ice cream sandwiches and stuff like that. They're basically stealing, but, eh, well, it's all in good fun. Little, little, little scamps. They're messing around in the kitchen. Somebody hears these footsteps coming their way, right? Gotta be the principal. They can't go out the way they came because that's the way the footsteps are coming from. So Bo's like, no, I know a shortcut. Let's go through this other door. So there's some kind of a back door to the kitchen that leads to one of the hallways of the school. And Elaine recognizes right away where they're at. And she's like, all right, but listen, we, we, need, to, we need to go somewhere else. Like, we can't stay in this hallway. We're going to get caught. I know a place. Follow me. Everybody follow me. So Elaine takes the lead. And she leads them all to the auditorium and everybody thinks this is really cool they're all like walking around on the stage they're trying to figure out like how far they can yell in the auditorium very discreet when you're trying not to get caught right and, right general <laughs> shenanigans and everything's like in good fun elaine's feeling good about herself until max finds the backdrops for the next play that the drama department are doing and they're these like scenic backdrops like stretched over like canvas you know like you see with like a wood frame and he decides there's just not much artistry at work here and that he could improve these paintings and he starts like splashing different colors of paint all over these like meticulously done backdrops 
in 0.5 seconds we've gone to like roughhousing and having a good time to something that's kind of nasty, like something that somebody worked hard on and Elaine kind of realizes, okay, wait a minute, maybe I'm not one of these kids. Like, I don't feel good about what's happening right now. Max is totally unapologetic. He says something like, Hurricane Max destroys all, and he continues with what he's doing, being like a general jackass. Okay. Bo finds a violin backstage and starts like trying to play it, and it's a horrible, awful sound, or which he naturally keeps doing because it's really annoying everyone. And Elaine needs some space from this whole group. So she starts to kind of walk around backstage. And she notices there is a sheet tacked up against the backstage wall with like little nails. And it's out of place. It doesn't bolt like, why would we be hanging a sheet right here? And she kind of moves it. And as she moves it, the little nails pull out and the sheet falls away. And behind the sheet is a long, dark, corridor leading deeper into the building she didn't know that was there she's never heard of anything back at the back of this building so she's intrigued so what do we do we're gonna go check it out she takes about 10 steps in and then she rethinks what she's doing she realizes this has gone too far okay <laughs> I need, I need to go back to the detention room before I get suspended. I'm, I'm all done. I'm all done playing bad girl. This is stupid. So she does an about face. She takes a step and the wooden floor of the corridor collapses under her feet. And she falls through. She hits the hard ground and she's torn her sweatshirt and her elbow on the way down. But more importantly, she landed on her ankle, which is now like swollen and hurting to high hell. And sh she can move it a little bit. So she doesn't think that it's broken, but she can't, she can't put any weight on it. She probably fell 15 feet. Ouch. Yeah, ouch. It's very dank. It's very dark where she is. And she thinks she must have fallen into a tunnel under the school, which is random because she does not remember ever hearing about tunnels running under the school. So she starts to panic. She starts like screaming for help. She doesn't get a response. There's a metal ladder leading from the chamber she's in back up to where she fell through. So she grabs a rung, she starts to try to, to climb it, but it's hard because she can't really put any weight on that foot. So she's trying to do it with two hands and one foot. And she makes it a few rungs up and something wet Ew. and warm and furry lands on her neck. It's a rat. So she grabs the rat, throws it off, but in that process, she also throws herself back off the ladder and back onto the ground. She's having a bad day, folks, having a bad day. And it's right about then that the kids above her have found out that she's fallen through the floor. Apparently there was a trap door that someone had put like a wooden board over. And eventually that trap door or that board had rotted out and that's why she fell through. Bo realizes that Elaine is hurt 
at the bottom of the tunnel, and he starts to go down the ladder to rescue her. And of course, the other three follow him. So he offers his hand, and he puts his arm around her waist to keep her from falling over. She really likes him being that close. Aww. They're down there, and they're kind of looking at each other like, now what do we do? And that's when Bo takes out his famous lighter to, like, check out the surroundings. So he flicks the lighter on, and they all jump back. Danielle, would you like to guess what is so surprising when Bo turns on the lighter? There's a skeleton down there. <laughs> a skeleton. There's a dead person who got stuck. <laughs> right, the last person to fall through the trapdoor? Yep. No. It was a good guess, though. He flicks the lighter on. They all jump back. On the wall, in big red letters, are the words, Let's Party. All in caps. All in this, like, drippy red paint. Okay. Not the kind of thing that you want to see when you're stuck at the bottom of a shaft. Um, in the dark. Dang it, I lost Unless my face again. Is a party. <laughs> right, right. Unless they stumbled on to a truly amazing rave <laughs> on Saturday morning uh, under the school. So, yeah, so the words let's party. There's broken bottles and there's like trash scattered all around. And Bo announces that he knows where they are. He looks at Max, and Max looks back at him, and Max says, this is the labyrinth. So Bo goes on to explain that these are a set of tunnels that were built in the 50s as a bomb shelter in case the town was bombed. The tunnels run underneath the whole town, and they connect a lot of different buildings, and the school being one of them. Now, this vast underground bomb shelter tunnel network was never used because we were never bombed. After a few years of that kind of scare passing, they started being used by teenagers who would sneak down there to party. They would pretend that there were bombs falling above and they would party like it was the last night of the world, right? But that was a long time ago. And since then, all the entrances to the tunnels have been sealed off because something bad happened. Bo doesn't know exactly what happened that was bad, but he knows that a lot of kids died down there. And Bo and Max and Darlene have been looking for an entrance to this labyrinth for a long time. And all I want to know is, when does David Bowie get here? <laughs> Because that's a movie I want to refund. Seriously, because that's a movie that's pissed me off for a really long time, okay? Like, there's a line at the end of that movie where David Bowie says something like, you know, let me rule you and I'll be your slave. And then she's like, you have no power over me. And even little Christy, watching this as a child, was kind of like, I don't think she fully understands this situation. Because we got David Bowie over here in, like, the tights and the hair, and he wants to take you to a masquerade ball and also be your slave. And you're like, 
Name. You have no power over me? <laughs> Bitch, what? <laughs> no. no one understands. I'm no just one. saying. <laughs> just saying. Like you have a crying, screaming baby who you don't really like and stupid parents. The only thing good you're leaving behind is your cool ass room and your awesome dog. And that sucks and I would miss my dog, but you get to stay with all your creature friends in the labyrinth like i would give up my life just to hang out with ludo for like a day like he's Dude. my favorite he's and so i'm cute. like like hello lady you're gonna go back to the baby no way hey she's all business all right she wears a vest and she's gonna take care of business she's gonna get that kid back where he goes even no. though it appears that his own parents don't want him but whatever and he cries all the time he sucks yeah, it kind of does. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Choose David Bowie always. <laughs> always. That's the official Snacks with Stein stance. When David Bowie asks you to run oh. away, you go. But we are in a labyrinth of a different kind. And now we have a whole lot of decisions that make zero sense. Okay? So Bo suggests that they check out these tunnels. Jerry doesn't want to go, and Darlene wants to go back as well, but Max does whatever Bo does. So Bo's decided that Elaine will be the tiebreaker. She'll decide whether or not they go back to the detention room or they go and explore these tunnels. Now, having a nearly broken ankle, you would think, that Elaine would be pretty antsy to get back up that ladder to where they're supposed to be and at least get some help because remember, she's also bleeding, okay? Right. She just fell 15 feet. But she's got it pretty hard for Bo at this point and she's trying to impress him. So she decides against all good decisions that sure, they can check out a few tunnels. And you know what? If it's gross, they'll just go back to the detention room. <laughs> it's fine. Bo starts to kind of mess through the debris on the floor. He finds a few sticks and some old fabric. He pulls a bottle of lighter fluid out of his jacket and proceeds to make them three torches because he claims his lighter is almost out. He also brushes off questions about why the hell he's walking around with a small can of lighter fluid. But I feel like we can guess at this point. The pyro. A little bit. They pick a tunnel at random and begin to explore. So they trudge off down the tunnel. What's that? I would never do this. I know we're not even to the part where they're trapped yet, and I already feel trapped. You feel uncomfortable? <laughs> like I'm just like go up the ladder leave get out go <laughs> just hold on to that memory of David Bowie he's gonna get us through okay <laughs> so they trudge off down the tunnel mostly in silence uh, and they're taking turns pretty much at random seems like a good idea and as they go Elaine starts to freak out a little bit okay she's trying to keep herself cool she's trying to look cool but she starts like looking around the tunnel. She finds an old newspaper clipping from like the 70s. Um, and she figures, you know, she's gonna take that home and be 
pretty good proof to show people that she was actually down there, like exploring the labyrinth with some of the best hoodlums in school. <laughs> so she's slumming a little bit, but I guess like she wants to shake this good girl image. Um, whatever. It's real stupid. But she's getting more and more freaked out. The walls seem to be smaller in the tunnels. They seem to be getting darker with each passage and each turn that they take. And they come to a passage that has almost completely filled with water on the ground. There's water pouring in from the top, and it's completely covered the floor in their way. It stopped them. Bo starts to discuss whether or not they should try to cross it, and how deep do they think it is. Lane notices little bits of trash and basically tells Bo to go fuck himself. She's not walking through that water. Don't care how deep it is, Bo. Not going. And Darlene agrees. She says in no uncertain terms is she going through that water. So they agree. They're going to turn around. They're going to go back. The problem is this is the moment they realize they are lost. Every tunnel looks the same. And they now have no idea how to get back to that chamber with the ladder. And we were all shocked. Stunned. I fell like, over out of the chair. <laughs> somehow this was a bad idea. They keep trying to find their way back to the ladder, but it doesn't really work. Somehow they keep circling back to that same corridor that's filled with water. And they decide that they need to find a way to cross it. These tunnels go all over town. If they can just go long enough in one direction, they'll find a way out. Bo realizes that there's a ledge against the wall that is not submerged in water. It's a very narrow kind of strip of dirt that goes all along the wall. They can inch their way across there. They don't even have to get in the water. So Bo goes across first, and then Max follows. And now it's Elaine's turn. And naturally, as Elaine is crossing on this bad ankle of hers, she steps on a rat. Ew. And it throws her off balance, and she falls completely into the water. So Which now, apparently... Yeah, go ahead. Her exposed wound has now been exposed to probably, like, poop water. Yeah. What is that, sepsis? And when it, you die of... Yeah. Did you see the new It? Not this part two, but the first one? Yes, I saw one. part one, but not part two yet. So my favorite scene in that movie is when they go to like the, the tunnel and they're about to go into the sewer and the little one who's like, I forgot his name. I think it's Richie. No, Richie's the other one I love, but the little one that's like the hypochondriac one. And he's like, you can go in there. It's like poop water. Like that's me. And like, no, that's like, this is, I can't remember his name. I, I think, no, I think Stan is the, the, the curly haired one, but it's the little, um, That's gonna bother me. Poop know, water. But the hypochondriac kid, him, who takes all the medicine, he is like, no, you're not going in there, you know, because it's like, it's gross. And like, that is my favorite thing. So I was like, that is me, 100%. Like, this is stupid. No. Well, you are correct. But this particular water is not only deep enough for her to be submerged into it, it is not filled with poop, it is filled oh. with rats. That's just as bad. <laughs> and she's submerged in this water, and the rats are crawling all over her. 
Bo pulls her out, helps get the rats off her, and tells her something really asinine, like, you're having a bad day. But then, you know, he offers her his army jacket. So she's feeling a little better about that. Me personally, I don't care how cute he is, babe. I mean, you've got a broken ankle and you're wet and there's rats crawling on you. You know, there's 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 other dick like there is. There's more dick out there. And I can I can guarantee you there's going to be more dick just like this dick. There's like 80 of these guys. OK, like we can go and find one other places right after you get a shower and some much needed medical attention i'm trying to think of like the most cutest celebrity that like i love right and if i was in this situation with that person like the tippy top of my list i i wouldn't i'd be like no like i'm sorry this is my dream but you're not gonna want to screw me covered in dirty water and rat god knows what and i have a broken ankle like it's not gonna happen you probably smell really bad no it's it's a no yeah but but truly like this attraction to him is what kind of like pushes her initially you know eventually they're trapped and they can't get out but the decisions we made to this point is all about getting with this dude who starts fires. Um, They ask Elaine, you know, does she want to keep going? Is she ready to get out of there? And she's like, well, we don't really have a choice. And they continue down the corridor and they come across a section of about five feet wide in the wall. And it looks completely out of place. It's a section of like red brick and mortar when the whole time the tunnels have all been this gray cinder block. So this is completely out of place. And they're kind of looking at it. Bo starts kind of picking at it and moving, seeing if he can get some of the bricks to move. And as he pushes on it, the brick pops out by itself two inches into his hand. And he kind of looks around like, did everybody catch what just happened? And everybody did, everybody was watching. So he kind of gingerly pushes that brick back in place and it pops back out again. Like someone's pushing it from the other side. So he does that thing where he kind of looks at everybody again, like, uh, but before they can even really talk about what happens, the brick wall explodes. sends everybody back against the opposite wall bricks are flying people are cut up and on the ground and there's debris and dust everywhere the wall has straight up exploded okay and they're trying to get their bearings they're trying to see like however is everybody okay like they're feeling around for each other in the debris they got the torch raised up so they can see and now where this was a little bit weird before now we're starting to genuinely get scared like this shouldn't have happened but it did the wall made it explode something exploded they're realizing as they look around that the red dust floating in the air around them it's actually a darker red than the red of the bricks and the dust has not seemed to like dissipate or settle 
and they realize it's not really brick dust. It's some kind of a mist, some kind of a red mist. And this mist actually seems to be moving up and in a single direction and becomes solidified and surrounds Max. And about the time that they realize that this red mist that's come out of the wall has surrounded Max, it starts to lift him in the air. And everybody's just frozen watching Max rise into the air and the mist swirls around him and slowly starts to break his limbs. Ew! First his arm, then a leg, then a shoulder pops out of socket. Max is screaming and his eyes are rolling up into his head and Bo tries to run into the mist to get his friend and he's thrown back into the, into the opposite wall. Limb after limb breaks and Max finally stops screaming and starts to twitch. He's still suspended in midair and the kids can all see that he's dead. And the red mist swirls off down the tunnel carrying Max's dead body inside it. Wow. See what I mean about more threatening in this book? Definitely. Yeah. This is like, I think a supernatural one in a while. Yeah, this would have been a pretty kick-ass movie. Like, if it had been done correctly, um, it would have been a very scary movie. Oh, I need a drink of water. Things got intense. Here we go. They're not getting any better, so just hold on to your pants. Pants and the thought of David Bowie will get us through. So everyone else is frozen, okay? Except for Bo, who jumps up, screams in rage, and runs off down the tunnel after the red mist. Okay. Still thinking he's going to somehow rescue Max, right? Jerry and Darlene are like, fucking done all the way done um they couldn't be any dunner they're leaving uh <laughs> max in that tunnel who cares fuck max fuck that tunnel problem is there's only one torch so they fight with elaine who is not willing to leave anyone behind in the tunnels and especially not Bo. Oh, but at the end of the day the torch is kind of starting to go out Bo has the lighter with him if they leave her, she'll be stuck there in the dark with no torch. So there's no way she can go find him anyway. So she's like, okay, fine. Darlene and Jerry will go back to the ladder. We're going to get some help. We're going to come back for Bo and Max, right? Or at least get a new torch, something. That's, that's the solution to this problem. The only other problem is that Darlene and Jerry are extremely freaked out. And they start like olympic style speed walking down these tunnels they they're ready to get out but elaine's ankles still hurt so she can't keep up with them and she so watches the light from their torch kind of get farther and farther away from her until she realizes they've left her behind underground in the dark with a killer red mist on the loose. Nice people. You can't even blame it on the bad boys because one of them's Jerry. So she picks up speed, she turns a corner, and she finds the torchlight. Jerry and Darlene have stopped 
for some reason, thank God, and she catches up to them. And they're just kind of standing there dazed. Jerry says that he doesn't understand. The passage with the water, it should be right here, but it's, it's not. They don't know where they are. They have no idea which way to go. Blaine gets pissed. Um, you know, they all but left her behind. And she takes the torch and tells them they're going back to find Bo. If they can't get out anyways, they might as well go look for him. So they pretty much start taking turns at random again. Picking a tunnel, going down it. Walk, walk, walk. The torch is slowly going out. They come around a corner and they find a dead and decaying body crumpled on the ground. There are three rats nibbling on it. Cute. They can't really get a good look at it before the torch flickers and goes out. There's no light. I mean, the absence of any light at all. It is completely pitch. Darlene says that she thinks the body was Bo's. She thinks that was his shirt. And then they realize that like the red mist has killed Bo, but Bo had the lighter. So if that's Bo's body, they should be able to go over there and find his lighter and relight their torch, right? Elaine is the only person willing to crawl to the body in the dark and reach out a hand and pat it down for the lighter. But when her hand hits the clothing, she realizes that's all it is. It's not a body at all. It is just a pile of very old clothes. These are not Bo's clothes. These clothes smell like, you know, the depths of goodwill. Like they've been <laughs> down there a long time. So now they're kind of just standing there like, well, what the hell do we do now? Now we definitely don't have a lighter and we're just standing here in the dark. And they look and they see a light start to grow in the distance. It's getting brighter and brighter. It's Bo. He's got his torch, he's holding a switchblade, and he is covered in blood. Bo says that the blood's not his. He followed the mist as it slammed Max's body into the walls of the tunnels. And he tried to take hold of him, but the mist started to get a hold of him too, so he had to run. So now not only is Max super dead, but Bo has been treated to a shower of his blood. Ew. Right? This is like escalating quickly. Oh, it, it gets better. Bo is here. He's got his lighter fluid and his lighter. They make new torches. Although these will be the last torches because the lighter fluid is now out. They light their torches. They make several turns and they end up in this small chamber filled with trash. Like trash up to their knees and high ceilings. And covering the cinder block walls in the same writing in different color paints were the same two words in all capital letters. Let's party. Repeated over and over again. They kind of slowly back out of that room and keep moving along the tunnels. The next chamber that they come to is bigger. 
The ceiling is lower and it has a bunch of like old rotting furniture in it. There's like old couches and stuff. And they're just about to nope out of there too when they see off in the corner, the red mist. It gathers again and it starts to advance on the group. It's time to run, which is pretty rough with a messed up ankle, but okay. Lane is running and running at random. She's just trying to keep up with the group. No one looked back to see if the mist was there. And at one point, Elaine almost like blacks out and falls from all the pain. The bow pushes her, tells her to keep going. Like, let's go. We can can get out of here. Just keep running. Just keep running. Even though the whole time Darlene is yelling at Bo just to leave her there. Wow. Yeah. So she musters the little strength she's got left and they keep running and they enter another chamber. And this chamber has lots of passages leading off of it and the words, let's party, written in red on the wall. It was the original chamber under the stage. Somehow they had circled and made it back. So Elaine goes for the ladder. Darlene shoves her ass out of the way and starts climbing up the ladder first. Beho tells her to go next. And Elaine's like, no, you need to go next because if I need help, you're the only one that's going to be strong enough to help pull me from the top. So Bo goes up the ladder and Elaine glances back just in time to see the mist start to curl out of the corridor and into the chamber. Up she goes and she's really struggling, but her ankle is definitely slowing her down. Jerry is right behind her when Jerry starts to scream. The mist is curling up and around Jerry's body and Elaine reaches down and grabs his hand and locks her other arm onto the rung of the ladder and she's trying to pull him out of the grasp of this mist. But all this pulling on the old ladder has dislodged it from the wall and the rivets are starting to break off one by one. She asks for Bo to help her. She's losing her grip, but the mist is too strong and it starts to wrap itself around her wrist. And Elaine's skin burns where the mist touches her and she screams. She tries to hold on to him, but she can't. She has to let him go. She says she's sorry and lets Jerry's hand go and he falls into the mist where it Bucking breaks Jerry in half backwards. Ew. Yeah. Stein goes Sorry. so far as to say the kids could hear the sound of his sneakers hitting the back of his head. Wow. This is hardcore. Seriously, right? It's like Fear Street on acid. I think that's why it's so good. So yeah, he gets broken in half backwards before the mist sucks his body down a corridor and out of sight. There's a beat. And then the last of the rivets lets loose. The ladder breaks free and they all go down. All of them? Yeah. I thought they all of them got out. Well, this is like a 15 foot ladder. 
So they oh, were climbing okay. the ladder as she was trying to pull Jerry up out of the mist. I was and there was so much it struggle that it came away and has now fallen. Okay. I was imagining a shorter ladder. Yeah, it's a pretty big drop. It's a pretty big drop. So naturally, Bo lands on top of Elena. And she literally pulls this. Oh, Bo, I can't take it anymore. Hold me. And he obliges. But they kind of forget about Darlene, um, <laughs> who is dangling from the last rung at the top of the shaft. Oh, no. <laughs> so they, they convince her to just drop down, and Bo's like, you're going to fall anyway. I'll try to catch you. But <laughs> he really just kind of breaks her fall. <laughs> And now everyone's back down at the bottom of the shaft and the ladder is trashed and no one's going anywhere. I would just stay there and start screaming. Right? So they have a powwow. They're like, okay, let's figure some things out. Number one, the principal is not looking for them. At this point, he probably thinks they all went home. And by now, he's probably gone home too. Number two... It's a Saturday. No one's going to be back at school until Monday. And no way can they make it that long. Number three, these tunnels are basically a circle that all lead them back to this spot. And they have been through most of these tunnels at this point. Number four, there's only one passage that they have not explored. And it could be their way out. And the mist is coming back at any minute, so they grab their torches and they head off. Danielle, can you guess where they're going? I have no idea. Where can they go? Back to that room with all the creepy writing on it? I have no idea. They head off for the passage behind the brick wall. You know, the one that exploded and released a killer red mist demon? That one. (laughs) They think that this is their way out. Well, I mean, desperate times. Sounds good. Good plan. So they find the passage with the bricked uh, wall and the hole in the wall, and they go in. The tunnel makes a hard right, and then it ends abruptly in a pile of debris. It looks like there had been a cave-in but they can see a small opening in the top corner of the pile of rubble and decide to crawl through it. Did you ever see As Above, So Below? Yes, I love that movie. I got a real, like, feeling of that movie in this moment because in that movie they just keep going deeper and crawling through smaller holes. (laughs) Like, that's what's happening right now. Yeah. But you're right. Like at this point, they don't have a lot of options and they're working mostly on panic. So here we go. Up the pile of rubble to squeeze through the hole at the top. They almost cause another collapse in the process, but they all seem to make it through to the other side of the rubble pile. And they kind of slide down it on their butts into another chamber on the other side. Let's Party is written all over the walls again, but here they find six complete and rotted skeletons. I knew there was a skeleton. 
old. You did. So smart. <laughs> some of these skeletons are on the floor. Some of them are propped up against walls. And they kind of look around and decide that the cave-in must have trapped those people into this chamber. And that they died of thirst or hunger. On the wall, in red paint, was all of their names. And a message that read, Scott Savage Knows. That's the Danielle. Prince. Yes, Principal <laughs> Savage. Bum, bum, bum. Principal Savage. So the red mist enters the chamber and everybody freaks out. Bo pulls a hero move and he says he's going to draw the mist off them so that they can run for the opening. So he starts kind of yelling at it and moving into a corner. And they make a break up the rebel pile for the opening. But before they can get there, the mist swirls around all the skeletons. And the skeletons begin to animate like marionettes on a string. And they're clinking and snapping their jaws. And they all float in front of the girls and line up at the base of the debris pile, effectively blocking their exit. There is a skeleton fight. And Elaine seems to make it out of the opening at the top of the debris pile first and finds Mr. Savage on the other side, holding a lantern. Bo barely makes it out behind her and then the tunnel ceiling at the top of the debris pile collapses. Fuck Darlene, Darlene's dead. Yay. <laughs> but the collapse has also sealed that red mist inside the chamber with the skeletons. That's Mr. Awesome. Savage demands that they tell him what's happening, what's what's going on. So they, they tell him everything, including the fact that his name is on the wall in the next room. And they demand that he tell them, what is this red mist? Why does it say that he knows? And Mr. Savage tells his story. Mr. Savage had been a student at Shadyside in the 70s. Back then, the tunnels were built as bomb shelters, as you know, but they were also well stocked with all kinds of supplies, like freeze-dried food and water and things you'd need to survive underground in case there was a nuclear war. Now, the rats have gotten to most of those supplies, which explains the garbage that seems to be laying everywhere. Mr. Savage goes on to say that he was invited by his friends to a party in the tunnels after school. And these are people that he didn't normally hang out with. These are cool people that drank a lot and he didn't really drink very much. So he's excited to be invited and he immediately gets wasted. And at one point, he chases a bottle that gets kicked out of the room into the corridor and there's a cave-in behind him. He says he could hear them scream when the cave-in happened. He knew that they were all dead. But he didn't want to be in trouble for being down there. So instead of telling anybody that these kids had died in this cave-in, he snuck back down the next day with bricks from his father's construction company and walled up the hole 
leading to the chamber. He then went about his life and pretended not to know what happened when these six kids just disappeared. Wow. Elaine tells him that that is bullshit because his six friends did not die in the cave-in. They were trapped and expected him to go for help, which he never did. And the small opening at the top of the debris pile must have been them trying to climb out, trying to dig their way out of being trapped down there, only to come face to face with a brand new brick wall. Oh my God. Right? Mr. Savage has kind of a breakdown. He's in total denial. He never really thought he killed those kids. He thought he just covered up that they died. And the truth hits him pretty hard. And right as they're kind of standing around looking at each other and he's having this epiphany, there is yet another cave-in from that same pile of rubble. And they're trapped under mud and they look up and see that the red mist is now free. But the red mist was solidified into the shape of six teenagers. And Mr. Savage recognizes them as his friends at once. He looks at Elaine and tells her to take the next six consecutive left turns. It will lead them to a shaft that would lead up to the boiler room below the school and they can get out. She begs him to come with them, but he says no. He has some unfinished business. And he walks into the red mist, which immediately levitates him and quite literally breaks every bone in his body simultaneously. And then the mist dissipates into nothing. The mist is gone. Bo and Elena take the left turns, find the shaft, they make it back up to the surface. And when they get there, they kind of look at each other like, what the fuck just happened? (laughs) And they say out loud, what are we going to tell people? And both of them are like, I have no idea. And that's how it ends. What? That's the end. There's like, I don't know. And then they. <laughs> yeah. So Bo and Elaine are going away for life for multiple murder. Yeah. Because they don't. What are you, what are you going to say? So they're almost in the same position that he was in. Like, we can't say anything. <sighs> I mean, I guess, because there's no way that you're going to tell this story that doesn't A, make you sound crazy, or B, make you sound like a murderer. Right. Because if they're, they're going to go down there and find the bodies. Unless the mist ate them or something. That was a lot. <laughs> what did you think, though? That was a really good one. But that was a lot. I thought so, too. I thought so, too. Like, I was going to break it up and, like, write the episode over a couple of days. But, like, it moved so quickly and it was so engaging that I was, I I went straight through it. Yeah. But, yeah, a little uncomfortable, probably, if you, if if tight spaces are not your thing. Right. 
It wasn't too, too bad, but it was definitely like, <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't think I have a problem with the space being tight. I think I have a problem with the dark. I don't like, yeah. I don't like not seeing what's around me. I'm not a fan of that. No, it's definitely a combo. I don't like the dark. I'm not like, it's funny because I like the dark because I get a lot of headaches from light, but in a situation like that, I would want light, but it's, I was dead. I was terrified of the dark as a kid, but now I'm like a total mole. <laughs> Always have the lights on. But. I'm super sensitive to like vibes and I pick up on a lot of, uh, a lot of shit around me. And when mm -hmm. it's dark that like, I feel like that turns that volume on that up. Yeah. And I'm not a fan of that feeling. No. So even even at night, like I've always got at least, you know, two or three nights, like, yeah, they're for the kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the kids have to be able to get to the bathroom in the middle of the night. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Gotta have those. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I try to avoid tight spaces if I can't, like, I get, I get a little, like, skeeved out, like, ugh, you know, but. I think the last time I had like a bad experience was we went a number of years ago and did the tour of the Queen Mary, the big ship in um, LA. And we didn't do the haunted tour or anything, but you definitely get weird vibes, but it also could be your brain just being like, oh, it's haunted, you know, <laughs> but, right. um, but you know, the, the tour is self-guided, the one we took, so you can just wander. And I've never really been on a big ship you know, a big cruise ship, whatever kind of ship that was. And like where all the boilers and stuff are, like the the narrow walkways, like between, it's like they were so small and like my boyfriend was in front of me and my mom was behind me. And I was like, you got to go way faster than you are going because either this is, it is so small and it's kind of dark in here and there's probably a ghost and I want to get out. <laughs> like we got to go now. <laughs> I will kill you. Yeah. And he's just please walk. And I'm like, stop looking at everything. <laughs> I'm like, it's another boiler. Cool. It's another boiler. Let's go. <laughs> I wanted to get out of there so bad. That was the last, like, I think time I was very like, uh, gotta get out. I think the underground element for me um, is what makes it a little more terrifying. Cause I feel like even like, if I'm above ground, at least if I could figure out a way out in any direction of a small space, then I would be out. Yeah. But when you're deep enough underground, it's like I cannot handle it in those like caving movies and stuff when they oh, right. mm -hmm. they just keep going deeper to find a way out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't think that mentally I would be you'd have to leave me behind. I think so. Like. I don't think that you could convince me to convince my brain <laughs> yeah. that going deeper was going to somehow save me. Oh, yeah. Like the descent is a hard one to oh, watch. Oh my God. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard for me. Like I kind of do other things. Well, I've seen it so many times now I can sort of get through it better, but it's still hard. And even as above, so below like that one, like I love that movie, but I'm like, Ugh. like sometimes it's also like, hard. Yeah. It's also hard. And I, yeah. Well, and there's a few times where they have to like crawl through things and stuff, but at least mostly they're like walking through like hallways. Right. Mm -hmm. And not like squishing on their tummy. 
uh, that was a good episode. I'm glad that we got like spookier this time. Mm. They, that was a really good one. It was scary. It should be a movie. I agree. That, I would watch the shit out of that movie. Totally. That'd be a really good movie. Okay. So I think that's it for this episode, but we've said it before and we'll say it again. We love reviews, but only good ones. And we have gotten a couple really, really nice ones lately. So thank you again to those ladies for taking the time to write some nice words about us. And reviews help the podcast get seen. So if you like what you hear, please make sure to write about it. You can leave a Facebook recommendation or a review on anywhere that you listen. And it would be super appreciated. Yeah, 100%. We'll shout you out on all the social media stuff. But also, just like truly, it makes us feel really good. This is a this is a hobby that Danielle and I like to do and sit down and talk to each other about these old books. But it does feel good to, to let, let us know that people are enjoying what we're doing. Yes. And next episode, we're going to be enjoying Danielle taking us through Goosebumps again. And this time we are doing The Horror at Camp Jelly Jam. Until next time, we are out. Like the truth about Scientology. (laughs) Bye. Bye.